0: some of our men, there's a stack of maps right there. If you will pass those maps out for me. But when you get the map, just put it on the floor. Don't pay attention to it. Um, Don't get distracted by it until um, we get ready to look at it. I know that's like telling a kid not to get in a cookie jar when it's sitting in the middle of the floor. But anyway, that's our plan. So don't look at it to start. All right, so I'm going to ask y'all. What I tell you, I was going to start asking you every week. Was you an opportunity maker, an opportunity taker, or an opportunity breaker this week? Where did you fall into it? Was you a breaker, a taker, or a maker? Because we ought to be living for God every day. And so as we're living for Him, we're going to be one of those things. And I see Jennifer wore closed-toe shoes today, huh? Just in case. Uh Uh-huh. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. And as you turn in there, let me read. Um, I told you, I'm going to say these verses and I'm going to say these verses until we have them memorized as a church. Luke 10 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbors yourself. Luke 10 27. That's the great commandment. The great commission. Matthew 28 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. If we can capture those 2 we'll turn this world upside down. And so we need to keep those in front of us all the time. I got a an email this week, a, a good friend of mine, I'd asked um, her a while back, I said, how's your new boss going to be? She'd got a new um, big boss, and, and so she forwarded me an email, and she said, um, she said this is the answer to answer your question. I just want to read just a, a paragraph out of that email, and um, this come from her boss, and he said, I'd started reading Thomas Murray's personal and authentic book this morning. The very first words in that first chapter was this following. A life-changing moment happens in a blink. It's that very moment where faith overcomes fear. It's the first step towards a new reality, a step that permanently alters your dreams and changes changes the way you think about your life. You know, and so whenever I read that, it just nailed in this morning for me. Because it's that one blink that changes everything about us, and it changes our spiritual lives if we allow God to be God, and if we allow Him to move. And so, this morning, turn with me to to Nehemiah. We're going to start in chapter 1. You know, and as we we get ready to look at this, I want to define two words for you. One's visitor, one's guest. Live Oak Baptist Church's vision has not changed. And so, that's the way we look at everything. And so, a visitor is a person that shows up at your house unannounced. You're not ready for them. They just pop in and you're scrambling, trying to get things picked up and run around, right? So, that's a visitor. A guest is somebody that you're expecting, And you're expecting them, and you're ready, and you're going to have your best foot forward, and all that. At Live Oak Baptist Church, we expect guests. We don't expect visitors. If you're here today, and you're here the first time, hopefully we've put our first step forward. You know, we haven't, come find me. But that's where we're we're about guests. And, And so when we start looking at this, and we've been talking about, won't you be my neighbor? And we're talking about, what do we need to do to move forward? What does it take for us to be a good neighbor? You know, when we look to the future, and that's what we're talking about today, our vision is not changed here. But we have to capture those verses I read to you a minute ago and this morning out of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. It said, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heavens. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. "...for your servants, the people of Israel. And I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses." Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them up there and bring them to a place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of the servant." And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revere in your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year, King Artaxas, I don't know who names your kid that. When the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me. Why does your face look sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, Let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they may provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Aspah, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. And because of the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted me my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave him the king's letters. The king also sent army officers in Calvary with me. I want to skip down to verse 17. And it said, Then I said to them, You see, trouble? You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem, li- Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. And they replied, Let us start rebuilding. So, this, so they began this good work. Father we come to you this morning Lord just say that we love you Father and I thank you for a beautiful day Father wow what a day we've already had Father I ask right now Father that in a blink of an eye you change our hearts Father that you bring us more and more in love with you and Father that every day we live a life where we give you all of our heart all of our soul all of our strength and all of our mind Father we love you Son's name, I pray, Amen. You know, as you read those words and as you listen to them this morning, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor to the world? Think about it. And if, if you really look at it, it can get overwhelming, can't it? You? you say, "Well, how, how can I be a neighbor to Watson?" There's a lot of people in Watson. But, you know, God gives us, you know, whenever he does that, you know, and a vision starts out of concern. A vision will start out of something that breaks your heart. You know, and this morning, so here's my question to you. Are you weeping for our community? Are you weeping for our community? Are you weeping for your family? Think about it. When's the last time that you've shed a tear over what you know is going on? But God calls us to that. And that's what's happening right here in Nehemiah. When you start looking, you know. But the thing that Nehemiah captured is it wasn't his life anymore. When you hear the words of Nehemiah, when you hear Nehemiah praying and you see the vision that God gave Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew it's not about me anymore. See, because whenever we're following Christ and we've surrendered our lives to him, it's his plan, not our plan. Whenever we accept him, we give up our right. It's not my place to say, but God. It's my place to say, yes, God. It's not my place to say, God, you know, uh, that's a little bigger than what I can do. It's just my job to say, yes, God. Because it's not my plan. If you look in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us in you and Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He has planned for us a long time ago. You hear that? A plan he has planned for us a long time ago. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has plans for us. But it's not our plans. Do you hear that? If you keep going. Proverbs 16, 9, We can make our plans, but God determines our steps. Psalms 32.8 says, I will will instruct you and teach you in a way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He's telling us, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to equip you. And I'm going to sit here and smile and love you while you're doing it. I'm going to watch over you. So why do we get scared? Why do we not want to jump in on the vision that God has for us? Why don't we want to get involved with the vision that God has for our church? Andy Stanley, in his book, Visioneering, says, Without God's vision, you may find yourself in an all-too-common position on looking back on a life that was given to accumulating green pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents on them. Accumulating money or stuff is a vision of sorts, but is the kind of vision that leaves men and women wondering, wondering if there was more, wondering what they could have done, should have done, with their brief stay on this little ball of dirt. He also says with a plan, a strategy when, when a plan or strategy fails, people are tempted to assume it was the wrong vision. Plans and strategies can always be changed and improved, but vision doesn't change. Visions are simply refined with time. The vision of Live Oak Baptist Church is to no, grow, go. The vision of Live Oak Baptist Church is to disciple, is to baptize, and to teach. That has not changed. That's why we're where we're at today is because our vision is God's vision that He's given us and we have not changed. We have not swayed from that. Sure, we've had to tweak things. This morning, the baptism in the 8 o'clock service that some of y'all missed because y'all slept in and didn't come to 8 o'clock. This morning was a lady that's been listening to the online that has a brother that's a member here that it did not give up on her. He prayed for her and he bought her a Bible and he's given the rest of his family's Bible. And he was... Just persistent, persistent in bringing the Lord to her. And a month ago, she accepted Christ and she said, I want to be baptized at your church here. And so at 8 o'clock, we baptized her. But you know why? It's because our vision has not changed. But our footprints changed. Our footprints changed. You know, I learned a real valuable lesson last Sunday morning. Three weeks ago, we went Facebook Live with our services. Right now, you're on Facebook. We went Facebook Live. In three weeks, we've had over 900 views. So last Sunday, I was watching it, just trying to make sure that the quality, because like me and the staff talked about, we want to make sure we're putting our best out. And so, I hear somebody different singing. I said, who is that? Listen to him. Boy, he is tearing it up the vibratos he's got, the high notes he's got, getting out there with that growling. And I said, that's me. That's me. I learned my lesson. My mic didn't turn on this morning until I walked on this stage. Ain't no more jokes. There's only two recordings that I know of in existence in this world of me singing because God did not call me to be David Crowder. But three weeks... Not counting today, we've had over 900 views of people watching us on Facebook. In the last month, in the last month, we've had 371 people that's listened to our messages online. In the last seven days, 121 people have listened to them. Our website's been viewed over 1,100 times. I bet if you'd ask Howard Turner 25 years ago if that was going to be a part of our footprint for people to be listening to us, he would have just shook his head. When I started here, you recorded the service on a cassette tape. Who even knows what a cassette tape is? You know what I'm saying? I still have my first one in my office. First time I ever preached here. Can't listen to it because I don't have a cassette player no more. But I got it. But times has changed. That's what I want you to hear. Our vision has not changed. Our vision is to reach the world. Sure, our strategy's changed a little bit. The plan's changed a little bit. That don't mean the vision failed. It means that we've got to tweak. we got to keep moving forward. You know what you also missed at the end of the 8 o'clock service? We had four people join this morning. So if you know um, Arthur and Mary Tadlock or Kurt and Allison, Allison, shake their hand when you see them at Walmart or Oak Point. Tell them congratulations. Welcome to the family. Because God's moving. And he's working. But he's got a vision for us. And so when we start looking at that, you know, our footprints got bigger. Last since January first, so the last eleven months, we've baptized twenty-four people this year. Counting this morning, I had to update this number, John, because at eight o'clock we only had sixty-four people join this year, but now we got sixty-eight people joined this year. We got more people that's joined the church this year than was in members of this church when they built this building. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because God's moving and he's working. Our vision hadn't changed. But why? Because Nehemiah sat there, if you go back into verse 4, when Nehemiah was sitting there, it says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. I wept for days and I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. Why was he weeping? Because what had happened in his hometown We ought to be weeping for what's going on in Watson right now. We ought to be weeping for what's going on in Dunham Springs and in Livingston Parish and in Louisiana and in our nation. We ought to be on our face begging God. But what do we do? We sit back, a lot of us. We just sit back. You know, y'all have heard me say it several times and you're going to hear me say it a lot more. We are not Mayberry anymore. We are not Mayberry And we ought to be weeping for what's going on. If you'd have asked me 35 or 36 years ago if today would be like it is today, I'd have said, there is no way. Used to, I could leave my house on Highway 16 and drive through Watson and know everybody I passed. I could tell you every business and who owned the business is on Highway 16 between my house and the St. Helena line. There's subdivisions here right now that were frog swamps 35 years ago. So some of you that have flood insurance, I know why you have flood insurance. (laughs) But you know what? We've got to live for God. And when we're living for God, it's going to break us. And we're going to weep, just like how Nehemiah weeped. And that's what's going to change things. Because our vision, what's our vision? is to disciple, to baptize, and to teach. How are we going to grow bigger? By growing smaller. Hear what I'm telling you. How are we going to grow bigger? By growing smaller. Because of Sunday schools and grow groups. And as we grow smaller in those groups, and those groups start growing, then in here is going to grow. Why did we have to take the kids out of here a month ago? That wasn't by choice. It was by necessity because we needed 40 seats in here. Because our vision's our vision. But are we weeping? Are we weeping? Y'all know I'm transparent. Too much sometimes. Yesterday I come up to finish studying for today and it was a beautiful day, wasn't it? Man, God's good. I've been waiting all year for this cold weather. So I loaded my dog trailer and my training stuff, and I said, well, I'm going to set up and train a little bit. I'll go in and study, and I'll come back out and train a little bit. And so I come up and got all my stuff set up and all that, and trained a little bit, and I went inside and was studying. I come back out, and I was, I was sitting on my five-gallon bucket out there, and I had one of my dogs beside me, and I just would read through my notes again. And as I sat on that bucket, I just got overwhelmed and started weeping for what's going on. And I said, God, how can we do this? God, how can live oak? We're not little old live oak no more. We're live oak. God, how can we make a difference? How can we make a difference in this world? And my dogs think I'm a freak because I'll sit there. They just sit there and look at me. And He's crying again. It's going to be Okay. But as I sat there on that bucket, God said, Johnny, what do you have on that paper? What's the vision that I give y'all years ago? Follow the vision, follow my word, keep discipling, keep teaching, keep baptizing, love me with everything you got. And so when we start looking at all this, you know, it it can be overwhelming, but that's not what God's calling us. He's not calling us to get overwhelmed. He's calling us to follow Him with everything we got. All right, you can pick up your paper now. On the side, that has got the the gray-looking cloud on it. Look at that first. Some of y'all might remember these. I passed these out several months ago. This side. That gray clouded area represents about 9,000 houses. And what I know of within that gray shaded area, there's about at least 1,500 more coming. So that represents within the next probably 18 months about 10,500 houses. If you figure three to a house, because some houses might not have but one, some might have eight or ten. Some people are overachievers. (laughs) But that represents over 31,000 people. That's right here. That's right here. That's within the shadows of the steeple of this church. 31,000 people that need to hear about Jesus. 31,000 people are we weeping because these people don't all know Jesus. Are we weeping because all these people don't know who Jesus is and have never surrendered to him? So now flip your paper over. The other side of this, we actually have four big maps if you want to see a big picture of it on the wall. Hopefully, you, a lot of you got this in the mail out this week, either through email or, or hard copying. If you didn't, um, call Miss Galen, in the church office and get you on that list. But I kind of color coordinated um, the different phases so that it makes it a little bit more obvious to us. And why am I talking about that this morning? Because this is important. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we got a business meeting to talk about the future. To talk about the here and now, to talk about the future. There's budget sheets in that for you. You need to pick one of those up. Because that budget represents next year what we feel like God's calling us to do. And on that budget, there's increases in some areas. There's increases in staff hours to bring more staff on. And so we have that Wednesday night, but also the pump team's been working really hard on this. And this is just this is just the tip of the iceberg because what's going to fall under this is we're going to be forming a lot of sub-teams under this if God calls us and if we pass this as a church. But this will bring us To where we think that God's leading us. This paper right here on the front represents thousands of hours of conversations and on our knees praying and seeking God. God, what do you want us to do? Because when you look at this, I want you to hear my heart as your pastor. There's nothing inside Johnny Morgan that wants to sign a $10 million building note. Nothing. Because I believe my God can do it for a whole lot less But we have to be good stewards. So even on this, there is going to be some building. There's going to be some renovation. So there's going to be hours that we're going to be saying, hey, we need you to come bust concrete. Hey, we need you to come take this wall out. Hey, we're ready to start building a new building. But even within this, whenever you start reading, you're going to see some verbiage on some things where it's going to say things like a two sunny school model. And you're going to say, well, what's a two sunny school model? What does that mean? That means we've got one sunny school that's going to be meeting in two time periods so we'll be better stewards of our buildings. Why not double use what we already have and save the money of building? You know, at some point, at some point, if God keeps growing us like He is, we might have to go to three worship services, which is going to be really fun for me and Donnie in the worship team. But you know what? We're not scared. Are we, Donnie? Okay. We're not scared. As long as Donnie's not scared, I'm not scared. But you go back to Nehemiah 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. I wept for some days and mourned. I fasted. And I prayed before God. Are we weeping for our community? Are we weeping for the people around us? Are we willing to say, All right, God, all right, God, I want to be part of what you're doing? This morning, the four that joined stood in the back and said, All right, you tell us where we need to plug in now. Tell us where we can serve because we don't want to just be here sitting. Tell us where we can serve. It's what a pastor loves to hear. Write me a blank check and say, I want to serve. Humbly. Her and Paul did that years ago. Hadn't let up since. Because that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to love. And He calls us to take it to the world. You know, if you're on Facebook or something, you might have seen some pictures that I've been putting out where it's the sanctuary is empty and put, This is not church. And then I put another picture of work that's going on and said, this is, this is the church. This represents 55 boxes at two Sunday school classes, took it upon themselves and said, we want to do this on our own. And so Friday, they come up and they had a party filling boxes. You know what? This is God. Because these boxes right here, because they was the church, is going to fall in some little kid's hands somewhere around the world and they're going to see Jesus through this box. And it don't look like a lot to us. But you know what? For them it's everything. Next Sunday evening, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a packing party. Come be part of it. Because we're going to pack a whole lot more of these. Our goal, I don't know if we're going to reach it, is to put one in every seat in here for next Sunday morning. I mean the Sunday morning the next week. You know, this is church. You know, what are we doing that's taking God to the streets? I know this week, I got an email this morning, there's another group that's leaving to go to up in the Alexandria area to cut a tree off a house. Because God calls us to love. And he calls us to love without boundaries. Thursday night, we had over 50 people show up and work in three subdivisions Passing out candy, passing out hot dogs, passing out bottles of water, but more importantly, saying, we're alive at Baptist Church and we're here because we love you? Are we weeping? Is God breaking our heart for what breaks his? That's our vision. Won't you be my neighbor? We've got to be good neighbors. Because hear what I'm telling you too. People don't come here for the coffee. They come because somebody went up to them and said, Man, God is moving in my church. You need to come to church with me and let me show you what God's doing. That's why people are coming. And it might be through Facebook right now, me looking in that camera. It might be through somebody downloading it off our internet, off our website, or it might be somebody sitting at your dinner table today. And you look at them and say, Man, God showed up at our church. Let me tell you what He done. Come be part of this. Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor because I care about your eternity? Won't you be my neighbor because I care that you're being discipled and that you're growing? Won't you be my neighbor?